You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. Broadcasting from the University of British Columbia, where students splash at the Aquatic Center. This is Blue and Gold Cast. Broadcasting from the University of British Columbia, this is Blue and Gold Cast. I'm Santa Ono, the President and Vice Chancellor of UBC. On this season of the Blue and Gold Cast, I'm speaking with the people who are leading some of the most innovative and creative work coming out of our campuses. Today, my guest is a student athlete who had to overcome adversity from an early age. Colton Liu was just two years old, but an accident left him with a number of challenges, including a brain injury. He was able to not only live with his conditions, but thrive despite them. Today, Colton is a star volleyball player and UBC student with a very bright future ahead of him. Colton, welcome to Blue and Goldcast. Thanks so much for coming on the show. To start off, I'd like to hear a bit about your story. How did you come to study at UBC? So UBC for me was a bit of a, a dream come true. I wasn't really expecting to, to study in post-secondary school in, in early high school because like my first time in full-time school was in grade 11. I was homeschooled for the majority of elementary school and I did like part-time in early high school and I wanted to pursue Kim because not only for sports but I I spent a lot of time in in Alan McGavin with Scott Fraser down in physio like all of high school. So for that I kind of just clicked and that I wanted to join kinesiology and I knew UBC had a great kinesiology program and just kind of just being around UBC both Going to games, again, being at Alan McGavin, playing different tournaments at War Memorial. Like, I just, yeah, I just, that's how I came to be at UBC. Well, I got to tell you that my daughter, I'm very proud that uh, my daughter, who's in grade 12, was accepted into UBC kinesiology. And you're oh, being, congratulations. and thank you. And you're being humble because you just learned about a month ago that UBC Ken is ranked number one in North America again, but number three in the world. And so I don't know how many people know how awesome the kinesiology program at UBC is. Yeah, it's really great. Well, we're really glad that you chose UBC, not only because of the education you're receiving, but also because you are an outstanding volleyball player. And so I just want to ask you a question. Can you share a bit about your athletics history? How did you become a world-class volleyball player? It doesn't happen overnight when you were a kid, right? It took a lot of, lot of training, I would think. And then uh, tell me first about that and tell me how you chose UBC for volleyball over all the other volleyball teams in Canada and also around the world. Tell, tell us a bit about your athletic history. All right. It's a loaded question. So yeah, for, for me, I actually started out playing soccer. That was like my main sport that I really enjoyed. And 
when I was younger, even I guess even before I played soccer, I used to do a lot of different therapies for a brain injury that occurred. Um, and so my mom tried to find essentially different ways to, I guess, normalize therapy. And so that route was sports. And so we started with soccer. I like soccer, but both my mom and sister played volleyball. And so I was in the gym, I guess, like playing around with them, getting exposed to different games and tournaments. Yeah, kind of just being really involved in volleyball. And then I think in grade five and six, I did some some camps. And then in grade seven, I played my first year of club volleyball for Apex Volleyball Club. Ken Lee, who is a former assistant coach at UBC, was my coach for that club team. And yeah, it was really great being exposed to a high-level coach so young. And he really pushed me to improve, get better. I was really small when I first started. And yeah, there's a lot of people who say like, oh, you can't play volleyball if you're small. But he just got me to develop a bunch of different skills. And eventually, I got better at those skills. And then I did grow. And so yeah, it was it was kind of an accumulation of a bunch of different factors, how I kind of progressed the sport again in grade seven, like when I played my first year club. Ken Lee kind of pushed me to play on the BC Summer Games team. And I was two years older, actually. So I got exposed to high-level coaching and high-level performance at that at that age. With that, um, that volleyball kind of came to replace these therapies that I had to do as the natural form. Um, got me moving, got my body right, essentially. And then in grade nine, I played my first year of provincial team so team bc i was i think i was 15 or 14 or whatever you however however old you are in grade nine and i played for the other 17 team so the the grade 11 team getting to represent my province was kind of the first taste of like high high level like i played BC summer games before that but provincial team is the next step up and so yeah i realized that maybe i could start to play at a at a high level and maybe go far with that and yeah and then kind of just throughout high school I continued to play on the provincial team I eventually chose volleyball over soccer I just I like both but volleyball is kind of I guess found my sense of belonging I, I felt that I could excel the most and then grade 11 I got chosen for maybe it was grade 10 well, one of those years I got chosen for my first youth national team experience where it was kind of like they chose the best players from the provincial team or different provincial teams around Canada and then held a camp for all of them. And then, so I did that and yeah, I got to play in Canada games in grade 12. We got a bronze medal there. So that was awesome. And then when it came to choosing my university, it was actually a very difficult choice. I had try and try to be humble. I had quite a few offers, but I, I think what it kind of came down to is the fact that I knew how exposed I was to UBC, like how I was kind of around UBC from when I first started volleyball and having Ken Lee as my coach and then having Richard Schick, who is the former head coach of the national team or of UBC. He actually brought me shoes in grade eight because grade eight to grade nine is when I went through like a pretty big growth spurt. And my mom couldn't really keep up with my growing shoe size. I I got to like a 13, 14 by the time I was 15. And so he brought me shoes and yeah, kind of just that early exposure plus the world-class kinesiology program was, yeah, definitely a go-ahead for me. 
that's really quite an achievement in and of itself. You know, it's interesting because a lot of the things you're saying are what's ha happened. We've experienced in my family because my daughter is also in, in a soccer player as well. She did both all, all the way up to grade 12. And so I have an idea, a, a little bit of a glimpse into your, your career and in, in, in high school because I've been to these provincial tournaments. I've been to all, I've been to that, that velodrome that's now home to BC volleyball. And then I know what it's like all, all of that, you know, the training and, traveling to different cities and competing at the highest level. So I just have an enormous amount of respect for your being able to do that, but also to do that at the, at the university level and, uh, and also at the national level and to still also do your studies. I mean, that must have been pretty hard, right? To compete at that level, but also make time, you know, to excel in a very rigorous world-ranked program. What was that like? <laughs> yeah, definitely for the first um, couple of years, at UBC, I, I did struggle. It was a very intense program with a lot of the mandatory courses that I had to take. But yeah, it was honestly a lot of fun. I Now that I'm done my degree, I, I kind of look back and I'm like, man, I definitely enjoyed my entire experience in kinesiology. It was, it was interesting too, because in high school, I was very mathematics and like physics-based. Like that was kind of like where my passion was. And then I didn't even take biology in high school. And so like when I went into my first year, a lot of it was like biology 12 based. And so I, I had a bit of a steep learning curve to get over. Um, but I think once I got over that, I, I started really enjoying it. And then kind of later into my undergrad, I started taking the more difficult classes that I thought I wouldn't be taking in my first couple of years. Like I took like pulmonary physiology, neuros, neuroscience, and a bunch of like the other more difficult classes in, in kin that I tend to like yeah, again, like the first couple of years, I probably wouldn't have taken them. But as I got through it and I, I started to like gain more and more of a passion for Ken, I, I kind of aimed for those more difficult classes that I wanted to take. And, and I always tr made studying a big priority. I guess that's for most student athletes going to have to be able to time manage. But for me, yeah, time management was kind of the biggest stepping stone that kind of took me from struggling not struggling to get by because i always had like fairly good grades but it was more like i don't know maybe getting assignments in the day before whereas now with time management everything kind of just got better and i got a lot less stress the past couple of years which has been nice let me ask you this question so i don't think people who who haven't been in your shoes doing both understand how hard it is, the time management, because you're doing two jobs, right? It's tough enough to be a UBC student, but to be a UBC student and also to compete on the national level uh, and all of that it entails is really two jobs. When I talk to athletes, some of them are Olympians, and I ask them, "Did it, do you think it made it harder for you to have to do both? Some of them actually said that it was refreshing. It's refreshing to get out of the classroom or the laboratory and to do something which, which is physical fitness, you know, to, to, to compete at the highest level, that that difference for you, for your psyche, for your brain, to going from studying textbooks to actually, you know, using your body, you know, you know playing at the highest level, that that going back and forth was, is actually good for your wellness and, and actually helps you focus on your studies. Is that true for you or, or was it two jobs? Honestly, a little, a little bit of both. I fully agree that... This sporting helped to balance thing, uh, balance things. I think for me specifically, I don't know how 
I guess, academically inclined I would have been if I wasn't playing sports. I think sports has really helped me to learn lifelong lessons like the time management piece and whatnot. And for me, uh, I try to be elites and everything, not just sports. So like, if you're going to be elite on the court, you also have to be elite um, in the classroom. And I think learning this like high performance mindset that all athletes need, I think directly translates to the classroom as well. The two go hand in hand. And although it can be difficult with planning everything, I think I, I definitely wouldn't have traded the extra couple of hours for studying that I, that I got playing the sport. You know what I mean? Yeah. I totally understand, but it can be a, l- a little bit much if you, if you have papers and exams and you're on the road, right? I mean, if you're not in the right focused state of mind, you can lose a whole, I mean, the whole team can lose a whole set of points just like that, right? So, so when you say that there's a lot of focus and concentration that's required, and if you have a looming examination or paper, that's not the easiest thing to deal with. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be the case? Yeah, I think that definitely could be the case. I know what I try to do, and I know what Michael Hawkins tries to foster, and I know my whole team kind of talks about this, is kind of just leaving everything that's going on outside of life at the door. So when you enter the gym, you're kind of, you're there in the present moment. One of my old friends actually had a saying on like the inside of his shoe. I think it said, put on, leave off. So it's like when you put on your shoes, you leave everything off the court. And so, yeah, although finals and exams can be really stressful, it's when you're at practice or lift for those two hours, like you have to be present. You can't let those external factors kind of loom over you or else you'll just be unfocused in practice or, and the same goes for the same goes for school. If you're thinking about an upcoming playoff match and you're trying to study for exam, like you're probably not going to do as well. You're not going to be as focused. So I think trying to compartmentalize the different aspects of life is really key. And I think as a student athlete, that's one of the biggest lessons that you'll learn. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. Now you've alluded to when you were younger, that your mother was uh, managing, um, a condition that you had, you, you had obstacles um, and you had to overcome those in your sports journey, but also your life journey. To the extent that you're comfortable talking about it, can you just tell us a little bit about what happened to you and what you had to get over over, over your childhood years to get to where you are today? It, it is a pretty long story. My mom does a better job at explaining it than I do. But in a nutshell, essentially, I was at a, a shopping mall for, I think it was my second birthday. And one of the, one of the vendors came through at the food court that was actually not allowed, but yeah, they, I think they tried to avoid hitting the other, another kid and they, they hit me. And so I ended up with a pretty traumatic brain injury, um, that essentially maybe have to learn how to walk and talk again. And so with that, we didn't ever think that I'd even be in school, let alone university. Like I said, before I went through years long and intensive therapy. And yeah, I've, I've touched on it before, but the, the sports is kind of what took over the therapy side, but for those couple of years or for that long period of years that I was doing the therapy, it was constant. I was doing physiotherapy, occupational therapy, all of the above different, like hearing things, vision uh, therapy, essentially every therapy that you can think of. And so, yeah, it was definitely, really difficult but at the same time I didn't really think that that was 
that unique because for me, I was kind of just living life. I didn't, I didn't really know what was considered normal or, or what I guess other kids had to go through. So for me, I never really looked at it as, yeah, but I was going through tough things. I was just like, okay, I have, I have physio today. I have to go to the swimming pool and do these things today. Um, for me, it was just kind of a unique situation because again, I was just kind of just going along with life. You know what I mean? I wasn't, I guess, overthinking. Um, and with that being said, I also had a lot of different doctor's appointments as yeah, as that, that happens. But with the doctor's appointments, my mom would often book two different appointments because one would be for me, just like a check-in. And the second would be like to actually discuss with my mom what was going on. And I would actually leave the room for that component because yeah, my mom didn't want me kind of constantly having to hear about these different difficulties and whatnot or what I could or, or couldn't do per se. And she didn't want me to have any limitations or boundaries. And yeah, I think that was really important because when you focus on the positives or the other things in your control, I think that gives you the best situation to be able to overcome things and not dwelling on, I guess, the other things. And just just learning how to, I guess, believe in yourself was, was a big part for me. I know like even when I was younger, I used to wear like a walking brace. And I definitely knew that that wasn't like, typical of most kids uh, where I were walking brace because my walking gait was a bit unique. And so, yeah, that was really, it was, it was a bit of a double-edged sword in that, like I knew that I was going to physio, but again, I didn't, I didn't know that that was that atypical. I was just kind of happy being in the car with my mom, driving to the swimming pool or driving to physiotherapy. And I guess as I've gotten older, the one thing that I've kind of looked into slash kind of started to follow is like this stoic principle of amor fati, which kind of means love of one's fate. Um, so that, that kind of just means like you're given a situation and you can either dwell on it or kind of embrace it and, and look for the positives to see how you can level up. And with threat of going on a bit of a tangent, I, again, I'd be doing a little bit of research on this concept of like, eternal recurrence and I, i'm paraphrasing here but it talks about how if like the devil was to show up and and tell you that you had to to live your life over and over again for eternity like would that be the worst thing that you could imagine like for some people like probably but if you live your life with this principle of omor fati or, or love of your faith then that's not the worst thing that you could imagine you know what i mean because you you love your life and so that's what i'm kind of trying to live by now. Got it. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. I'm going to look into that myself. I didn't know much about that, but you know, thank you for that. And you talked about your mom a lot. So one of the things I'm going to ask you is clearly your mom was uh, instrumental, pivotal in your getting all this therapy and all the challenges that lay before you. Is there anybody else that was key? <laughs> oh man, there was, yeah, that's, I definitely don't want a list because I'm definitely going to forget people, but yeah, a ton of people like my sister and and uh we don't have like a a huge family but we have a big extended family and i guess if you're listening to this you know who you are again i don't want to list everyone just because just to make sure i don't forget people but yeah different different coaches extended family my sister yeah <laughs> in listening to you now you've really thought through you know 
how, how to get through difficult times. But when you're very young, like you were very young, you were two, yeah. you, you had to have a support network. It, it's really clear, and I'm really glad that you did. One thing I've always loved about volleyball is that whether you win the point or not, and especially at UBC, but I've noticed because I actually follow my daughter, that whether you win or not, everybody converges in the center of the half court you're playing on as if you're celebrating whether you win or lose. Um, and, and tell me a little bit about that. Is that is that part of volleyball culture? I mean, because it, it doesn't happen in basketball. You miss a shot. You don't all like, you know, cheer as if this, something good happened. You usually are down. But in volleyball, you guys, especially the UBC Thunderbirds volleyball team, I from the first moment, and I watched a lot of your games, by the way, the first time I, I watched it, they're celebrating and they just lost a couple of points. What is that? Is that part of the psychology of keeping upbeat, even if you have lost a couple points? Yeah. So as you alluded to before, volleyball is a, a very big mental sport. One of the biggest mental based sports I could probably think of. And so not all teams do this, but it is like, you, you'll definitely see the majority of teams do it and, and everyone has their own different version of it. But for the Thunderbirds specifically, that was a really key focus point on us no matter how the game was going if we lost or won the point we would come come together if if we won the point it would normally be like a celebration but it would be like okay what is next like we'd all have one or two things or one or two quick things to say like a word or not and yeah we'd just kind of focus on the next point or what happened during that point so say if we lost the point uh maybe someone got blocked we come in and be like okay uh, he dove in cross on you and that's why you got blocked. That's right. Now we can get the next one. So it's more of like a mental reset um, because in volleyball, like the average men's rally lasts, I think something like six seconds. So it's really short. So it's really important that between points you kind of reset so that you don't dwell on past mistakes because again, that's in the past. You can't focus on that. And so what's important is the, getting the next point. And so when we all come together, it, it kind of brings about some camaraderie and brotherhood as well as kind of resetting for the next point. And so, yeah, that was definitely a huge focal point for us, especially this year was just resetting and taking time to, to talk to each other in between points. You've uh, talked a little bit about your development as an athlete, and I know that some of the, the Thunderbirds actually have coached kids that I know, my daughter. What advice would you give to them uh, as they're starting out with club or you know, they're competing for Thunder or Air Attack or whatever, and, and, and then they don't get selected, you know, the first year. Uh, what advice would you give younger athletes that, that want to be like you, that are facing challenges, maybe they're not growing fast enough, they weren't selected by the club team that everybody wants to be on, in terms of achieving their, their dream? So I think the biggest, the two biggest pieces of advice, I think, one, develop your mental game. As I've touched, this is a huge mental aspect, mental sport. Um, so if you get really strong in your mental game, there is a, a really common error that happens, especially in, in, as kids start out. It's like as errors kind of build up, you can kind of mentally check out of the game. And it happens at our level too, but like more for the younger age group. Yeah, as errors kind of build up or maybe things don't go your way, you can kind of check out or or get a bit disassociated. So Focus on your mental game. And if things aren't going your way, vocalize. Because the best way to get out of like a bit of a mental drought or a performance drought is to vocalize to your teammate and to kind of give energy instead of taking away. Um, so that will always keep you in the game. The second part, more skill-based, is to develop a really 
well-rounded game. So you can't just focus on going up and being the biggest attacker. You can't succeed at the next level as a big attacker if you're not good at blocking, if you're not good at passing, if you're not good at defending. So it's like if you can build up all these different skills and, and make a well-rounded player out of yourself, I think that'll definitely give you the benefit of the doubt. And again, mentioning my mom, one thing that she told me when I was first starting out was make your worst skill your best. So for me, I actually hated passing when I first started, whereas now I would consider passing my my strongest skill because I worked on it so much. And even though I hated it, I was like, hey, if I want to keep progressing in the sport, I'm going to have to not avoid this thing that I dislike, but really dive into it and, and get better at it. That's great advice. So what are you doing right now? So currently, I am in Gatineau, Quebec. This is where the men's national team's center is out of. So right now, we're in a bit of a evaluation phase. And next week, they're selecting guys to different rosters. So everyone is in here is on the senior national team. But now it's the next phase is selecting on to different rosters, whether that's the senior A team at Vietnam or like the next gen team or, or like a younger U21 or U23 team. So that's where I'm at right now is is with the national team. And yeah, it's it's really exciting because Josephson, who is uh who's just been recently selected as the head coach, I've known him for essentially since I started playing volleyball and he's coached like different camps that I've been at. And so I know that he's always pushed me to be great. And I've just the week that I've had with him so far, it's been a pretty incredible experience. I'm excited to keep that going. And yeah, being I, I honestly, I love being Gatno. It's a lot of fun just kind of being here with all the guys and it creates a great brotherhood as, as well as just the high performance aspect of it and getting to represent your country because I, I think everyone here, but me especially, like I have a huge dream of playing in the Olympics one day. So this is just the next stepping stone. Well, we wish you, we wish you all the best with that. Um, and what's your plans after you finish your volleyball career? You have this great kinesiology degree. What, what, do you, what do you think you might be doing after volleyball? Whew, after volleyball. So that's a bit of a gray area because I, so the next stage for me in general is um, playing professionally. I'm going to be doing that this upcoming year, but after volleyball, it's, I've debated maybe going back to school, getting a master's. I've also debated different things like sports psych or I guess personal training. Um, I thought about maybe physio at one point. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Honestly, yeah, it's a, it's something that I'm going to be thinking about over the next little bit because yeah, for everyone playing sports, sports is like one of the only, I guess, careers that has an end or or I guess like a foreseeable end. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to be playing professional volleyball until you're 50, 60. So it ends earlier than the most um, careers. So you want to make sure that you have a good foundation for after that. So it's great that I have my undergrad in kinesiology, but what I'm going to do with it, I still get to be determined, to be honest. There's no rush because you're nowhere near 50 or 60. So um, in any case, thank you so much for uh, for telling, telling your story, but also more importantly, thanks so much for, for being a great student athlete at, at UBC. As you know, I and my family have enjoyed a lot of a lot of games have cheered you on, and you've uh, really been a memorable part of our experience here at the university. So thank you for that, and, and best of luck in, in Quebec and, and on the national team, and we'll be looking out for you and cheering from you for wherever you might be. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Appreciate that. 
Colton, thanks so much for being on Blue and Goldcast today. Colton Liu plays on the UBC men's volleyball team and is a kinesiology student. That does it for this episode. You can find links to our guests' work as well as previous editions of the show at blueandgoldcast.com. You can also find us on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. You can tweet me at UBC Prez. That's Prez with a Z. I'm Santa Ono. Thanks for listening. have been listening to a sided media production C I D E D find out more at sidedmedia.ca